Welcome to Chapel of the Lake in Lake St. Louis, Missouri. The Chapel family is a multi-generational community of believers who gather weekly to worship and explore God's Word as we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us now as Pastor Keith Spa opens the Scriptures. Well, as we come to our time of study this morning, let me take us to the throne of grace. And Father, we are so blessed as a church to be a part not only of what you are doing here in in and through us locally, but to be a part of what you are doing around the world. Even as Brother Harley mentioned through the Zoomax and, and as well through the work in the Dunes and, and with the Heinzes. And, but Father, we've been uh, very especially blessed in your unique ways to be partnered with John and Hannah and on Paradise Island and to see in these years, uh, go from just a, a number of people that you could count on one hand in that whole people group that are believers in Jesus Christ. Now there are well over a hundred. You've been doing marvelous things. and It pains us both personally because we, we love Hannah and also in terms of of the work on the island to, to, to hear of her accident. And we are distressed and we are concerned. We ask that you, in your grace, would give her healing, that you would guard her life. We ask that you would give strength and comfort to John and to Virginia and Grace. We pray, Father, that you would give wisdom to doctors, that you would give good care for for Hannah, and that she might quickly recover from this, and that through these things that you might even advance more the gospel of Jesus there. Now, Father, we ask that you would guide our time as we open your word, teach us. May we learn to know you more fully and love and trust you more deeply. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've ever been on a cave tour, and I imagine most of you probably have, after all, we live in Missouri, the cave state. I've been in a number of caves, and it seems that every tour I think I've ever been on, somewhere along the line, after they get you several hundred feet into the bowels of the earth, some wise guy goes and turns off all the lights. If you've been there, you know that when you get in that situation, the darkness comes around you and you would swear you could feel it. You can touch the darkness. Well, at one point or other, sometime or other in our lives, most of us find ourselves in a dark place. But I'm not speaking of a physically dark place like a cave, but rather a place of darkness emotionally and spiritually. A place in life where sadness or grief or depression or despair closes in around you in a, like a darkness that you can feel. There are many different things that may send us to a place like that. Perhaps the death of a loved one or physical suffering like with an illness or a disease or physical pain over long time. For some folks, it's been financial problems or 
unemployment or a miserable marriage or a broken relationship or persecution or being harassed by some just mean person. Any or all of those things and many other things we could name may drive us to a point of depression, a pit of despair. Sometimes those experiences are rare and very short-lived. But I know from knowing so many of you now for years and years and years that many of you have experienced long extended pits of hopelessness, of anxiety, of darkness, of depression. And sometimes it feels like there may be no escape. And we wonder, does the Word of God have anything to say to us if we ever find ourselves in a situation like that? The answer is, of course, yes. The Scriptures do speak to times like that, and today we turn to one of those places. I hope you have a Bible with you. If not, there should be one in the pew in front of you or underneath. If you'd pull it out and look to Psalm 42. We're actually this morning going to look at two Psalms, Psalms 42 and 43. And we're going to look at them as if they were one Psalm this morning because actually in some of the Hebrew texts, These are one psalm. Somewhere along the lines, some people divided them into two. But if we look at them carefully, we'll see that actually they are just one one song. It's a song with three verses and a chorus, just like we sing when we... When we sing songs here, very often there'll be verse one, a chorus, then you have verse two and you go back and sing the chorus again, and verse three and the chorus again. And so this psalm is. You'll notice that there's a verse that is repeated three different times, twice in Psalm 42 and once in Psalm 43. It's verse 5 of chapter 42, and since we all have different translations, I'm going to put it on the screen, just this, this chorus, because I want us to read it together. So let's read the chorus from Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. Here we go. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. There's the chorus. As we go through the psalm, we learn something about this, the songwriter, and he, he's anonymous. We don't know who wrote it. But we learn something about his situation how bad is it, we might wonder? What's his, what's his life like that's driving him to this point where he is, as we'll discover, in despair? First, we learn that he is alone. He is away from home. Some circumstances, we don't, we don't know what his circumstances are. Perhaps he's a captive. Perhaps he's in exile. Perhaps he just went away on a business trip and things went south and he lost all his money and he's stuck somewhere. (laughs) We don't know. You know, maybe he's in Lodi, California. I don't know. You'd have to be way in the 70s to even understand that was a song reference. Sorry, I don't know why I said that. Back to... (laughs) Some circumstances have him stuck, living away from home, cut off from Jerusalem and cut off from being able to worship at the temple. 
Not only is he away from home and alone, he is oppressed and surrounded by enemies. These enemies continually, we learn there in verse 3, all day long they mock him, saying, where is your God? And that daily and continual challenge, verse 10, we find is like a deep wound to his bones, a deadly wound to his bones. It cuts him to the core. In Psalm 43, verse 2, it says they oppress him, they persecute him. Again, in verse 2 there, we learn that his enemies are ungodly people. They are deceitful people. They are wicked people. And so we realize that people like that, they have no restraints. So literally, you can expect anything can come from these people. You're not sure what to expect, but it, it will be bad. That's his situation. Furthermore, he is emotionally and spiritually drained. You know, he's, he has to look up to see down. That's how bad things are. In verse 1 and 2 of Psalm 42, we find he's spiritually parched. He says he's like a deer that is panting for water, like a deer out in the woods last week. <laughs> we hadn't had rain here for so long. Everything was dry and shriveled it up. And if you were wildlife out there, I imagine there were, many of them were finding it hard to find water to drink. He says, I'm like a deer out there just <laughs> panting for water. Verse 3, he says he cries day and night, cries continually. Also in verse 3, he doesn't have an appetite. He says tears are his food. He's not eating. He's, his only food is tears either because he has no food or he just has no appetite. Three times, every time in the chorus, he says he's cast down, he's downcast, he's depressed. In each of the choruses, again, he's three times, he says, his life is in turmoil. Have you ever been in that state where your life is a chaotic mess? How many of your life is like that today? But that's turmoil. Everything is just, there's nothing that seems settled. There's no rest. He says in verse 7, he's drowning, he's emotionally overwhelmed. Verse 9, he says he feels forgotten by God. Psalm 43, verse 2, he feels rejected by God. This guy's in pretty sad shape. He's away from home, he's alone, he's surrounded and oppressed by enemies. He is emotionally and spiritually drained. The songwriter could probably be a good blues singer, singing a good blues tune. Or maybe an old country western guy, you know, who's lost the girl, who's lost his pickup truck, and then lost his dog. That's him. So far down again, got to look up to see the bottom. But this psalm isn't here just in the scriptures to commiserate with us when we're down. So we can... Look for a song, sung blue, you know, to go and sing this song. Maybe I'll feel better because I, somebody else had troubles worse than mine. It's not why it's here. Interesting, when we look at the inscription at the beginning, sometimes those little things that are written in our Bible are, are added by translators or others, but there are a number of them and, and here in this psalm that are part of the original text. And it says to the choir master, a maskil. Of the sons of Korah. That mas the word maskil there is a Hebrew word and it's not translated in our English Bibles because nobody knows for sure what it means. 
But the scholars are fairly certain that it's, it's describing the type of song that this is. It's a technical term describing a specific type of song. And they think it probably means a song that is designed to teach, a song that is designed to instruct. And even if that's not what the term means, that's why God has put this here in the Scripture. God doesn't waste ink. And this psalm is here to teach us something that we ought to learn, some things we need to know when we come into times in life where we walk into dark valleys, when we walk into difficult times, when we are enduring hardships that tend to discourage and depress us. And this morning as we go through this psalm, I want us to notice Seven keys to help us find hope in despair. Several keys here, seven of them actually, to help us to rescue hope, as it were, out of the jaws of depression and despair as we observe the journey of our songwriter. So let's dig in quickly. Verse 1 of Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? In these first verses, he longs for God like a deer in the desert longs for water. And from this beginning of this psalm all the way to the very end, he longs to be and desires to be where God is. He's feeling distant from God. And he so longs to be close to God. All through the psalm, that's his desire. You see, ultimately, he recognizes that the answer to his problem, the the real need that he has, is not relief from his problems. His real need is to be close to God. His real need is to be in an intimate relationship with God. The answer isn't going to be just getting rid of the problem. So often that's what we think the answer to our our depression and our difficulties is. If I would just wouldn't have this problem, if this would just be fixed, if that would be fixed, I would be fine, I would be happy, I would be joyful, life would be good. And the reality is that won't solve the problem. The songwriter here has recognized that the, the real need that he has is to focus on God rather than himself rather than on his situation, rather than on his difficulties, rather than on his problems, he needs to be near God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, he said, Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. He doesn't say, come to me and I'll make your problems disappear. And when your problems disappear, you'll find rest. Jesus says, come to me, be in relationship with me. There is the answer to finding rest. It's not in a stress-free, trouble-free life. 
Because there is no stress-free, trouble-free life. There is only rest in relation and in walking with our Creator God. So I asked this morning, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Do you have a relationship with Him? I talked about that earlier during the communion. God so loves the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. He will rescue you from sin and death and hell. But more than that, or in, in addition to that, He begins a relationship with Him, a walking with Him through this life. We have been reconciled to God through Christ, have relationship with Him. That is the beginning and the answer to finding rest, even in the midst of difficult times. Focus on God, get your eyes off you, and draw near to Him. Second thing, verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. He's painting the picture here of remembering back in, in Israel and back home, and he would go with the people up to Jerusalem and up to the temple and worship God there, and how he'd remember the joy and the wondrous uh, feeling that was there of fellowship and community as together as the people of God, we come into the presence of God. Oh, how wonderful that was, and how he longs for that, but he can't be there. It's impossible for him in his situation. But he says, if it were possible, that's where I want to be right now. May I say, as I've now lived a good little while and as I've spent a lot of time in ministry, I've noticed that when people get into difficult situations and they begin to move into despair and to depression and anxiety, people tend to withdraw and they tend to be like a turtle and pull into their shell and close it up around them and sit in their deep, dark little place and throw a pity party. And I know because I throw great pity parties for myself. <laughs> but there's a tendency for people to, in depression to isolate themselves at the very time that they need to connect with godly people. You see, the second key here is to seek out godly companionship. Instead of withdrawing, it's all the reason that you need to more be connected with godly people. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, by the way, in Hebrews chapter 10, he exhorts us to not neglect, to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Why? Because it's when we come together, God has designed the body of Christ, the church of God, for us to come together to encourage one another and to stimulate one another, the verse before, before this says, to love and good deeds. It is here when we come together in community as the family of God, as the body of Christ, that we find encouragement and strength to help us in difficult times. The church is one of God's great gifts to us for our encouragement, for our strength. And may I say he intends for us not to just go to church, but to connect in church with the body of Christ. 
to connect with old people, to connect with young people, to connect with everyone in the body of Christ that we can. There's great blessing there, both for us and blessing to others as we connect with them. Finding hope in despair. Focus on God instead of ourself. Seek out godly companionship. Verse 5. Why are you downcast, or why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This third thing, I think, is so important that it becomes part of the chorus something that's repeated three times. As he gives this chorus, which we read earlier, and here it is in verse 5, he asks a question. Why are you cast down? Why are you depressed? I think the question calls for us to examine ourselves. To ask the question, why do I feel this way? Not just to sit there and wallow in depression, but to ask, why am I depressed? Let's think this through. What are the reasons? Now, by the way, he, he doesn't hesitate to spill them out in the, in the psalm. Everybody treats me horrible. He, he lays it out here. That's a fine thing to do. But he goes deeper than that. We need to ask this question, why do I feel this way? Because sometimes when we ask the question, what we discover is that there are, it becomes very practical. See, sometimes we feel emotionally bad, we feel depressed, we feel despair because there are physical things going on. We are not eating right. We are not eating well. We are not sleeping because we're staying up too long, playing video games, or we're working too hard. Or maybe we are sick and we need to go to the doctor. You see, maybe there are some very practical things we can do that take care of a physical situation that will remedy our depression. That is a very important thing to do. We might also discover when we examine ourselves that maybe it's not a spiritual problem, but maybe there are circumstances in our life which are within our scope, within our ability to address that would help our problem. And so instead of being paralyzed by our problem and sitting around just bemoaning our situation, we fix it, a novel thought. You know, we... Our financial situation is horrible, so we're depressed over our finances. Well, what can we do about that? You know, maybe we need to get professional help. Maybe with dealing with our finances, maybe we just need to stop spending and start saving. Maybe we need to work harder or get a job and earn money. You know, there are practical things that sometimes can take care of a physical problem that is causing, or physical circumstance that is causing depression. You know, maybe it's just we need to get busy. We need to get, we need to clean the house. We need to get out of the house into the sunshine because we spent, you know, the last four weeks holed up inside. So sometimes there are circumstances which very practically can be resolved that will 
deal with our feelings of depression or anxiety. Sometimes there are spiritual issues that we need to address. Unconfessed sin. A lot of times the problems in our life and are the re- result of sin and the problems that have us depressed are a result of sin in our life that we have, we've been running from God or we've wandered from God. And we're not going to feel better until we deal with those situations, deal with our relationship with God. Come back to him, confess our sin. The Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin, to, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And as then as we start walking in re- close relationship with him, we will find that depression, those anxieties may leave. So examine ourself. Fourth key I find in verses 6 and 7. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. We're stepping into the second verse of the song. We've done the first verse and the chorus. Now we're into the second verse. And the second verse, the scene shifts. In the first verse, he was in the desert like the deer with no water, panting for God. He feels abandoned and, and he's, he's in a desperate situation there. But now, as the scene shifts, he says here to Hermon and Mizar and the land of Jordan. And what we discover is he's moved from southern Palestine where it looks like this, desert. And he's moved up to northern Palestine, up to the uh, where the headwaters of the Jordan River at Mount Hermon, where the waters are coming rushing down, there's waterfalls and a river, there's lots of water. He still has a problem because here, in the first verse, he was panting for water like a deer, and he's hungering for God. In this verse, he's drowning. <laughs> he's in water, and he's drowning. So he's still in a desperate situation. But notice, he's got a new perspective to his dis- desperate situation. While his life feels threatened because he's drowning, notice he says, Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers, and all your waves. So I'm drowning in all this water, but the waterfalls, the breakers, and the waves are your waterfall, your breaker, and your waves. What he recognizes is while he's in a desperate situation, God is sovereign over the circumstances. God owns the circumstances. Even the very things which seem to overwhelm us and and seem to threaten our very life are under the command and the control of God. So while he's still in a desperate situation, he's getting a new perspective. I may not understand my circumstances. I may not like my circumstances. My circumstances may seem to be crushing me, but they're not out of God's control. So where is God? He is here with us even in our worst times. He is with us in the water. He is with us in the desert. He is with us and he's working for us even in the difficulties. I don't have time to go to all the passages I could that shows that God is with us and that God is working in our circumstances. Just go to Romans chapter 8. What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. 
And he is working everything for our good, those who love him or are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. Just go there. Fifth key to dealing with difficult times and finding hope in despair, I find it in verse 8. Continuing here in the second verse of this song, it says, By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. The key here is sing. Music is a good way to express our heart to God. These psalms are a song to God. But it's not just a way for us to express our feelings to God. It's also a good way for us to remember God's truth. One of the great ways that people from the Old Testament times into the early church, the way they have used music, matter of fact, the primary way they used music was to learn truth, is to learn and to remember the truth of what God says. Unfortunately, the way music is primarily used in the modern church is for emotion, which is not a bad thing. It's used to create a feeling, to create an emotion, but a very, very valuable tool that often gets lost is using music as a learning tool so I remember God's truth. And the psalmist says that during the day, he says, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love. God is commanding his love towards this person. And I think what he's saying is, if I read between the lines, in the daytime he knows it. This guy knows it and he gets it, but night comes, and when night comes, from my experience in dealing with folks with depression and anxieties and things, the worst times they have very often is at night. It's at night when those thoughts creep in and when that sadness tends to envelop them and to come upon them very darkly. And he says here, at night, his song is with me. (laughs) See, when the the doubts and and the... Anxiety tends to build. He begins to sing. He begins to sing the songs of God that reminds him of the truth of God and begins to change things. Music is a healing balm when it's music that is God-centered music. The psalmist here, songwriter, praises God even when it's not easy. Woven throughout this psalm, there is anguish, there is despair, there is desperation, but woven through that, there's also Worship and praise. Don't wait till you feel like praising God to sing. We need to start singing when we don't feel like it. Most of you don't know the name Leona von Brethorst. She was a young mom who gave her life to Jesus when out of desperation, when her son was, was dying of polio, she cried out to God and she prayed for her son. Her son was healed from polio and she became a follower of Jesus. But the fact that she became a follower of Jesus made her husband very unhappy and he abandoned her, divorced her, and she was now a young single mom of two children who went from working odd jobs and multiple jobs trying to provide for her family. She fought depression and exhaustion. And yet it was during those years that she discovered the joy of singing and even of writing praises to God. She says that coming to God with thanksgiving and praises is a choice we make to praise God when we don't feel like it. 
Out of her pain came a song that many of us came to know and love back in the 80s. Even some of you younger than that know it. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. You know that song. That's her story. Out of a life of pain and difficulty, she decided she was going to praise the Lord. And by the way, through that song, God has been exalted and praised all around the world in many languages through that song. Sing. The songwriter goes on. Verse 9. I say to my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? He pours out his soul. He doesn't pull any punches on how bad he feels and how bad he sees that things are. He expresses his loneliness, his doubts, his emotions, his hurts, his feelings of abandonment and rejection. But as we come to the second chorus again, I want to note an important point. Verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The psalmist, the songwriter, he vocalizes all his doubts and fears and his emotions, but he also instructs, he preaches to himself. He preaches truth. He tells himself, he admonishes himself, he says, hope in God, because I will again praise him. I know that one day I'm going to get through this, because God is my salvation. He's my God. All through the psalm, not only does he pour out his emotions and how he feels and his situation, he also, all through the song, talks about who God is. And just as he doesn't pull any punches about how bad he feels, he also doesn't pull any punches about who God is. Verse 2 of Psalm 42, he is, God is the living God. God is not a pretend God. He is God who is alive and he's active and he's at work. And he says, God is my savior in the chorus. He's my rescuer. Again in the chorus, he says, he's my God. I still trust him. I still own him, even though it's difficult. Verse 8, he calls God, he says in our English translation, Lord with all capitals, and that means he's using the, the personal name for God, Yahweh. The name that God used when he made covenant with his people, when God makes promises with his people, the name we can count on when God uses his personal name, it's saying that he personally guarantees it, God keeps his word. Every promise God has made, he will fulfill. He calls him Yahweh covenant-keeping God. Verse 8, again, he calls God the God of my life. In other words, my life is in God's hand. He's the creator of life. He's the one who sustains life. He's my rock, verse 9. He's my stability. Psalm 43, verse 2, he's my stronghold. That's another word for fortress. He's the place of safety. Psalm 43, verse 2, he is my joy, my delight. God is the source of all my joy, my delight. It's not going to be my circumstances. It's going to be God. See, he speaks truth. Even in the midst of his doubts and his concerns and his fears, he rehearses and reminds himself of the truth. Again, that goes back to singing truth. He's learned God's word and he 
repeats it to himself. One last key. How do we rescue hope out of despair? How do we pull ourselves from depression? How do we remove ourselves from depression and into the peace and the joy of relationship with Christ? Focus on God. Seek out godly counsel. Examine ourselves. Remember God is with us. Sing. Focus on God and pray. The whole psalm, I'm sure, is a prayer. We could call it as a prayer in many ways because it's a conversation with God. But I find it interesting. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and the unjust man, deliver me. Look at verse 3. Send out your light and truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. So far he's had two verses. This is the third verse of the psalm. It's the first time that he writes as a songwriter. He says, hey God, here's what I need. Save me from the bad guys. Hey God, here's what I need. I don't know what to do. I'm confused. I I don't have an answer to my problem. I don't have a solution to my, my difficulties. What do I do? Send forth your light and truth and let them lead me. God, show me what to do. And in that, God, would you bring me to your holy hill? Would you get me so I'm able to get back with my people and get to church and go and worship you? We finally get his requests. It seems so obvious for me and so silly for me to write up here on number seven on the list. What do you need to do if you're in the midst of depression and despair and in bad times? What do you need to do? You need to pray. It seems silly for me to write that up there because wouldn't that be obvious? Well, of course, James says... You do not have because you do not ask. (laughs) Oh, maybe it's not so obvious. The Apostle Paul writes to the Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. He says, verse 6, Do not be anxious, do not worry about anything. But in everything, with prayer and petition, present your requests with thanksgiving. Prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Next verse. And the peace of God which surpasses understanding. The peace of God that doesn't make sense. The peace of God which can't be conjured up rationally (laughs) will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Why does Paul tell them that? Because way too many of us, way too many of them were in their difficult situations and they would not pray. We need to pray. Seven great keys to defeat despair and depression. But please notice with me as look at this list. This is not a formula with a detailed prescription that you go down to a checklist. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And when you get to seven, it all ends up in a nice neatly wrapped package with a big bow on it. And it's just done. All your problems are solved and you're happy. It's not that way. Whether we speak of such things in our lives or whether we even look at this psalm, when we look at this psalm, we realize it is not that way. Notice, the psalmist, this isn't just here's how things are bad and here's how things are wonderful. The psalmist's heartaches are wrapped up and mixed in with his joys in God when you read these two psalms. The, psalmist, the songwriter's depression is mixed in with and intermingled with in this psalm his joy in God, his praises to God. The psalmist doubts 
are mingled in with and interwoven with the psalmist's confidence in God. Why is that? Well, because we're such a confused mess. (laughs) As sinners who have been rescued by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus Christ, who are sinful people living in a broken world, this whole place is a mess, isn't it? And here we are living in it, but the grace of God has stepped into our lives. And as we will look to him, even though we are flawed and broken and we cry out to him and we look to him, we focus on him, we seek out godly companionship, we examine ourselves, we remember that God is with us, we sing, we focus on truth, not our feelings, and we pray, God works. And in this song, he has moved this guy from a desert where he is abandoned and longing for God to the floods where he's still drowning, but he knows, well, God is here with him. God's in control of the flood, but I still feel like I'm drowning. And he moves him from there, and he moves him to a place of prayer, and then he moves him lastly to the temple and a confident assurance that he will ultimately find rest in the presence of God, deliverance. I will get there and I will enjoy fellowship with God. That's the final declaration. So I don't know what you're going through today. Right now, everything may be just hunky-dory and going swimmingly well in your life. And if it is, good. Sooner or later, we all have problems. Some of you right now today are in the depths of depression. And I don't minimize that. It's big and it's hard and it's difficult. But God has spoken to us. Here are some ways through. Here are truths to help us through those. And to find peace and hope even in the midst of difficult times. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. How practical it is. How needful it is. I pray for those who are listening this morning, some here, maybe some online, who are struggling. Pray that you would help them to put these truths into practice and to discover the peace that only you can give, the peace that surpasses understanding, to discover the joy that you give that rises above our circumstances. We pray for those who are not in such difficult times, that you would make them sensitive to others, Father, to see how they can be those who help encourage and equip and stand alongside others who are in difficulty, that in everything your body will be built up The work of Christ will move forward. Jesus Christ will be honored. And how we all look forward to the day when finally our Lord Jesus returns and we will one day be in his presence forevermore where there is no sorrow, no more death, no more crying, no more pain for the old things are done away. And there are joys forevermore. How we long for that. But the answer isn't the place, it's in the one whom we are there with. May we learn that lesson even now. In Jesus' name, amen. May God bless you as you grow in your walk with him this week.